Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our Brilliance Bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We are coming to you here, me and my partner in crime, Mary Fran Bontempo. I'm Kristen Smedley, and we are going to talk today about this this principle. It's actually a success principle. If you know Jack Canfield um, and the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, Jack also did a series of success principles. He did like a, a mega book and then 10 years later had like update stories and all. And I actually work with success principles in the thriving blind community for succeeding without sight. So anyway, today I came across this principle of transform your inner critic into an inner coach. And you guys, it is all about the lovely self-talk that we do all the time. And I texted Mary Fran and I'm like, we have got to do an episode on this because it kept coming up where you say to yourself, is this true? Is this true? And that is a big part of the brilliantly resilient process that we were actually talking before we went live about we're like, is that in the reset or the rise? It's in both. We were like, um, let's check our process again. <laughs> and it's all over everything, really, because as emotional people and, and, the, and the times being as emotional as they are, we always lead with that. You know, like you always tend to lead with that. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, kind of like Will Smith did last night at the Oscars. He led with his emotions. As you can see by that, it's not always the best choice. <laughs> you really need to look and go, is what I'm reacting to true? Is there a reason for me to feel the way I feel and kind of reverse the process? So put the truth before the emotion of it, which is not easy for us. So in terms of being your inner critic... Um, instead of an inner coach, where do you get this fact? This is the very first piece of research in this chapter of success principles. It says research indicates that on average, now this is the average person we're above average. So we're going to be above this one. Yes, we are. People talk to themselves about 50,000 times a day. (laughs) What? I knew you'd laugh as much as I did. 50,000 times a day is how much you talk to yourself. I hate to say it. I think I got that beat. <laughs> I got that beat. Isn't that amazing? And wait, so the second part of it is oh my 80, gosh. 80% of that is negative. <gasps> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. I'm taking notes here. People 80% talk- of the 50,000 things you say to yourself is negative. You know what? I I can't say that I am totally surprised because I also believe that studies have shown that we tend to remember negative incidents more than we remember positive ones. You know, I think that that's that that's been proven, too. And I think the unfortunate consequence of that is, you know, 
and let me back up a little bit here. I think maybe it's because we want to fix things. Like maybe the reason for that is that we are looking for a solution. I'm going to put a positive spin on it and say, maybe that's why we go to the negative right away because we're looking for an answer. And again, that's fine provided there is an answer. But if you're talking to yourself in a negative way about something that's already happened or that's passed, you know, you have to clear that out and again, look at what's true. And if there is a change to be made, what could it be as opposed to just beating yourself over the head because you goofed up? Yeah. And, and so for folks like us that, that tend to go in that negative, and if your head spins and you are of the 50,000 thoughts in that tribe of 80% being negative, I have actually heard this expression before. So other people may have heard this before, but they call it in order to stop that that spinning mind and all of that in the negative, it says, stop the ants, A-N-T, automatic negative thoughts. Yes. They're and all, the, and, and they are automatic, a lot of them. And that's the hard part to, to make it conscious, to become conscious of those things that just sort of int- infiltrate your, your head without any effort on your part. So yeah. what is, like, what is it? Is it a matter of, I mean, yes, say stop them, but how do you do that? Like, so, so let's, let's take a step back for a second. So think about when like, um, uh, you know, somebody doesn't, um, call you back or something, or you send out an email and nobody responds. And then (laughs) you're like me, you start to go, oh my God, that's because the email was stupid. And I really didn't sound right. And they have no idea. And oh my God, they don't even want, they don't even want me in their tribe. And you start all of that. And then it spirals you into everything else. So one of the ways they say in to stop the ants, that automatic thing is to learn to look for the positive. Okay. Not, not the magical thinking, like not creating yeah. some magical thought, but just looking for positive in the world. And they also say, um, I, I like this, play the appreciation game, find things to that. be Mm-hmm. One of the things to give a practical example of this, when my divorce nightmare started 5,000 years ago, <laughs> it feels like five feels like that. I'm sure. <laughs> I think it was five years ago. There was a point that it was extremely stressful and toxic. And I was worried about my kids and, and my, it, it was kind of like, I couldn't even see a way out of having negative thoughts because there was so much negative. It also happened to be landing around the time of Lent, right before Easter, which is what we're in now. And um, I ended up telling my kids, we did this gratitude challenge where we did a group text with the four of us and they had to put something in the group text, one thing each day during the 40 days of Lent that they were grateful for. (laughs) They were all teenagers. You can imagine how excited they were. So I did have to do some nudging and like some competition, you know, and I was texting them individually to say, you know, but by probably like week two, they were putting stuff in there themselves. And then it kept on going. And we even went past Easter. And I noticed that it it did not change what was happening in our lives, but it definitely changed our perception of things. Um, We had way more positive um, times in our mm-hmm. house and a lot more laughter came back because we weren't just a thousand percent focused on the negative. And I, I think that um, I think you really hit on a key, a key thing, a key point right there. Our, our mindset doesn't change circumstances. Mm. The way we, the way we address things 
changes our mindset, which then in ways can create more positive actions, can create more positive energy and all of those kinds of things. I think the thing that's hard about mindset is a lot of times that it sounds very, um, you know, like woo woo, like this sort of, well, okay, it's mindset. You know, what does that mean? Mindset. But the truth of the matter is if you take that step to, to, to focus on the positive or at least not indulge the negative, start there. You know, like Hmm. if you can't, if you can't be right away, um, I don't want to say Pollyanna-ish, but if you can't jump both feet into the, hey, I'm grateful for everything, just don't indulge the negative. There's, there's an old saying, and I, I want to say it's a, it's a Native American saying, but I'm not sure, but it's something about we, we each have a lion and a wolf inside of us. Hmm. And the one that, the one that triumphs is the one that you feed. So, you know, you feed the lion and you're brave and you're strong and, and you feed the wolf and you're just kind of looking to take somebody's head off all the time, nice. <laughs> which is probably more me than you. So I got to work on feeding the lion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always ready to take somebody's head off. <laughs> well, interestingly, in this, in the book, it says about um, the appreciation game. He, he says, just take seven minutes seven minutes and just make a list of all the things that you can appreciate or you're grateful for. That's it. And then move along. Like that's how I add my kids lean into it. Just one thing each day that, and I I should also say that I started by saying some, they had to say something they were grateful for about somebody else in the group. Mm -hmm. I had to stop that because it was, (laughs) it was crickets or it was like, I'm grateful that Krista doesn't smell today. You know, (laughs) Like, that's not how this is supposed to go. <laughs> and that came from Mitchell. I am sure that came from Mitchell. <laughs> and then, of course, she'd fire back. I'm grateful that you're not stupid at this one moment in time. <laughs> Hold, please. In Lent, we're going to do something nice. <laughs> then they just had to find something in the world they were grateful for. And they couldn't put French fries every day. <laughs> I'm grateful that it's Friday and Lent because now I get a reprieve. Isn't that the reprieve <laughs> day? We're supposed to get the day off day. Oh my gosh. But at oh. any rate, so, so that's the, you can do seven minutes or you, you can even just time, do one minute and, and write down a bunch of things you're grateful for. You know, when Linda Larson was on our show a while back, she gave us the, um, at my finest and best list thing. Oh, yeah. And, and she suggested writing out an at my finest and best list, just like you're suggesting with the gratitude thing. But what she said was, you know, you can write this down once and then laminate it, stick it next to your bed and then read it, you know, read it in the morning, read it in the evening, read it whenever you're feeling cranky. I'd be reading a lot probably, but um, (laughs) always cranky. (laughs) read it, (laughs) read it. Like, in other words, don't put extra work on yourself. Yes. Take the time, write it out. If you feel like adding something by all means, but keep that list and refresh your memory because you know, exactly like we said, some days you're going to put down, I'm so grateful for my family. And then the next day they're all going to be driving you crazy. And that is the last thing you're going to feel grateful for, (laughs) but it does help to remind yourself that, you know, depending on circumstances, again, gratitude can be a shifting thing and we have to allow ourselves the grace to be human and to recognize that. So, you know, it can be an evolving thing as, as we say, many things in brilliantly resilient are they're evolving. 
Wait, here's here's the one that I decided I am absolutely the best at for for the whole negative thinking and where your mind goes and is this true or not? Catastrophic predicting. <laughs> oh gosh, I think I have a master's or possibly a doctorate degree in that. A do- <laughs> that Catast- is part of our negative catastrophic <laughs> catastrophic predicting. Like back 22 years ago, as soon as I heard your son is blind, I in, I immediately oh. was like no school, no prom. No, it was like everything in this hall and everyone will be awful. And I mean, like, did you put it to music too? Just like you did then you make a song out of it. Everything's <laughs> going to suck from here on out. <laughs> oh my God. Well, here's the thing. So I did mention that in the group I was in with thriving blind today about, oh my gosh, I had all these things racing through my mind. And this is when it started to dawn on me that this is so much a part of living brilliantly resilient. I had said to every, there was a a conversation came up about, there are parents that say, if in this one group, if you talk about grieving the blindness diagnosis, grieving the loss of the, of sight, that that's not healthy for your child. And we got into a conversation about um, the land of magical thinking and denying living in distraction and denial. And if you don't, like I was, I was saying that I didn't grieve the loss of sight. I was grieving the loss of the plans that I had for my kids, which actually ended up to be the greatest thing that ever happened to me, because God forbid, if they would have just gone down my little itsy bitsy path that I had planned, <laughs> we'd have the you most were, boring life. You were stifling those kids. Yes. They would be, I actually, in, a, in an interview last week, I was saying to envision like with our kids, envision wearing them wearing a backpack and all that you want them to do and want for their life are, are rocks in the backpack and all their dreams are rocks in the backpack and they can't carry it. Right. Yeah, it's too so, much. So I think that that we do have to be careful about that whole distraction and denial when we're in a situation. And, it, and you do have to honor the fact that something sucks when mm-hmm. it sucks. Well, but I think that to your point, going back to the is it true thing, when you look at whatever that thing is and you really look at it and you look at what the facts of the problem are. Very often you will recognize that you are doing exactly what you said earlier with the catastrophic predicting. And it's not even the event of the moment that's necessarily the Mm. horrible thing. It's everything that you think is going to happen after that. Everything that you put out into the world that might happen after that might being the operative phrase happen after that, which brings us back to that question. When you experience a negative event, before you let yourself just go from zero to 120 and with the catastrophic thinking, think about what is true. What Mm. is true of this event? What is true in the moment? And then you can start to actually rationally think about what you can do about it before you go all squirrely and start thinking about all this stuff that in all likelihood is never going to happen, but might, which is where we get hung up. And if you don't stop, you actually, there's all this research that says you create that, Mm -hmm. that nightmare you're predicting in your mind. It happened to me. I was, I was predicting a horrible, devastating life. And for three years, I had a horrible, devastating life Mm -hmm. because that's all I could think of. That's all I would focus on. There is actually a, a, a story of, I forget the guy's name and where he's from or anything of where this came from, but I promise it exists. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. We'll that's, just take your word for scientific. It. We'll take your word for it. Is this, it true? Hmm. This is story <laughs> of a guy that was in, you know, back in the old days with a train and the one, the refrigerator train, like the, I forget what they called it. All the train people are like, for the love of God, Kristen, <laughs> but he got locked in at night. Everyone had gone home. He let everybody go home early for some reason. And he knew he was in the refrigeration truck. So he started with the, oh my God, it's going to go you know, below 32 and I am going to freeze to death and all this stuff. And do you know what? His, he did, they found him dead the next day. Oh, this is a very depressing story. But listen, this is how powerful your mind is. So they did all the, they did the autopsy and he had every sign of, of freezing to death. But when they looked at the, at the car he was in, the refrigeration system was broken. It did <gasps> not go. It didn't go below 55 degrees. Oh my he God. He got himself in such a mental state that he created the physical environment. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I, and I believe that because, you know, we talk about things. I always say many, most cliches have some kernel of truth in, in, in them. They come from somewhere. So mm-hmm. that whole idea of a self-fulfilling prophecy Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is exactly true. If you put out there to the world, this is what this is going to be like, your brain doesn't know the difference between fantasy and reality. It just knows what you're telling it. So then the consequence of that is you begin to fulfill what you've told yourself. Yeah. So that's why it's so important to really look at these negative things and go, all right, what are the facts here? What is the truth of this? And what go back to one of our other things, what can in big capital letters, what can I actually do something about? And the first thing you do is not indulge the negativity. Yeah. There's a part in this, in this chapter, where it talks about how do you transform then instead of critic that you become a coach and they give the example of a parent yelling at a kid that runs out in front of a car, right? What do we do? We scream, we're freaking out. And then like the kid has to go to their room because they did something so stupid. And how could you possibly? And, and they, and Jack Canfield says, what's happening is this is what's happening in our own minds. We're not, the parent didn't give the kid the full information. I love you so much. I would never want to see you hurt. You can't do that because you will get like all of those things, their anger, their fear, and then eventually the love of why they don't want them to do that again. So he's saying you actually have to do that with yourself to train your brain to say when you go, oh, my God, I didn't get that job because I suck. Well, let's go back and say, well, why did I prepare for it? Was I this? What is what is my fear that I'm never going to get a job? Why am I angry with myself now? What if you were what if someone had called you? And needed advice because they didn't get a job. How would you talk to that person as opposed to how you talk to yourself and then talk to yourself with that kind of love you would give your friend? You know, you just hit on something that, um, um, as you know, I'm writing our next book. And I was actually (laughs) just reading something from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who did a lot of things on death and dying. But she was, I think, the first one who says that all of human emotion can be traced back to two things, love and fear. Mm. So I think if we recognize that our negativity is based in the fear and we then recognize, okay, what am I afraid of here? What is making me afraid? And then you say, okay, how can I turn this thing into something 
that protects me or makes me feel loved or, you know, same with your children that, that you let them know that they're loved. What's the love factor in this? What's the other side? I think if you look at it in those two ways, what am I afraid of? And then how can I throw some love into this equation that can help you? That's like a, a physical, not a physical, but that's like a real mental trick that you can maybe use to, to flip that switch and turn yourself yeah. into the coach. The, the critics talk in fear. How's the coach going to talk love? I love it. And then on, on um, to sum all that up, there's a, a line in here that says, talk to yourself like a winner. Hmm. Talk to yourself like a winner. Like a coach would talk to you like they want you to win the game, right? So you're not going to say that was so awful and all the negatives. Make it more with love and not the fear. Love there it. There you go. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I'm still taking notes. I, I'm taking pages of notes on our brilliance here. <laughs> So there you, know, you go, folks. This stuff, though, it does bear thought. Like it's it's very easy to 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 kind of spout this stuff out. But whenever we have an occasion to talk like this, it really helps me feel like we, you know, I cement and ground myself more in this whole brilliantly resilient mindset too. Because you do have to constantly go back and and like ref- sharpen the tools, refresh the pieces yeah. a little bit. And and this was good for that. So yeah, I think it. So everybody needs to remember to. Um, stomp the ants, the automatic negative thinking, stay out of distraction and denial, and definitely not in the land of magical thinking. Yes. Find the truth. And whether you're operating in fear, switch over to love and talk to yourself like a winner. There you go. Love it. Love it. Sounds great. (laughs) Advice to start your Monday, folks. Advice to start your Monday. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget to go over to brilliantlyresilient.net. Blink three times and the magical window appears. And that is how everyone that's asking, that is how you get the brilliance bit delivered to your inbox. This thing has been a gold mine that people are loving. We have the highest open rates, <laughs> high open rates. It's crazy. It's amazing. And, it, and it's all because it, it's very short. Like, <laughs> Less than a minute. I swear to God, these reads are less than a minute because I don't feel like typing more than that. <laughs> yeah. And it's something from the, the current week's episode that, that our guests or, or us, or because us. We're do. Mm-hmm. it's a bit of brilliance from that week's episode. And then it'll link you to the podcast. So everyone that is asking, that is how you do it. Just go to the website. You don't have to do anything. It pops up for you. Stick your email in and you'll start getting the brilliance bit also. And all we want is your email. We don't care about your first name or anything like that. I mean, if we met you, we would, but we're not keeping it for, you know, our, our, our nefarious like email purposes. We're not doing that. <laughs> Ain't doing that. We're not doing that. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Brilliantly Resilient. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, Rise and reveal your brilliance.